I enjoyed it the second time. I, I forgot a lot of the other stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's still still pretty solid. Knowing you as I know you, I can pretty much guarantee you as a kid, you just filled in much scarier parts. Oh, yeah. Parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have just been... <laughs> yeah, it's, that's all I've remembered was all the scary bits. <laughs> the ones probably from your head yeah. that don't even exist. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Dan. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we typically discuss puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today we're going to talk about Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is one that Darren has been mentioning over and over and over again. It's been on our list of stuff to watch for a very long time. And I finally said, let's just do it. Let's get it out of the way. I had never seen it before this week. I've watched it twice now, once just to watch it and once then for notes. Make sure, dear listeners, that you do, if you want to watch the one that we watched, watch the one from 1990. Yes, not 2019. Yes, the 2019 one, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic, is just all green splats and saying that the remake was unnecessary and misses the point. It's. I, I watched the trailer for it, and it, have you watched the trailer for it? It's quite bad. <laughs> no, I didn't even watch the trailer for it. That's, which is weird, because I think with 3%, that would make me curious enough to go, mm. oh, I do want to. But I think the fact that I just watched this one twice this week, I had no <laughs> desire to even see the trailer about the remake. This movie is directed by Adrian Lin, written by Bruce Joel Rubin. Adrian Lin, you would know from other movies he's directed, like Flashdance, Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal, and Nine and a Half Weeks. All of which, personally, I think have good moments and interesting parts. But storytelling-wise, I feel that they're all kind of weak. I think I've only ever seen Fatal Attraction, and that was when I was a kid, so... A Fatal Attraction is the only one I haven't seen. It's one of those things, though, when we were kids... It was referenced so much that I feel like I've already seen the movie. I just need to watch it some point just to say, yes, I've actually seen it, not just gotten all of the story through osmosis. Which is... Yeah, the... yeah, well, that's the <laughs> that would be the big spoiler for that movie. But that was the thing that everybody referenced, yes. Yeah. Since I will probably edit this one, I'll probably like bleep that out. So, sorry, listener. Yeah. You're going to have to watch, watch the it. movie or hear anything about it because that's the most talked about thing. Yeah. This Jacob's Ladder has Rotten Tomato critics at 72% positive, audience 84% positive, IMDb 7.4, solid numbers, Mm -hmm. at at least as far as my kind of understanding of where I feel those numbers should be. Solid, but not great. This is a watchable movie. Normal, yeah. (laughs) Basically, yeah. You don't regret watching it. That's those numbers typically to me say... Yeah, this is okay to watch. Mm. And I kind of feel that way too. I don't feel that it's lived up to the hype that has been led to me. But certainly after watching it the first time, I didn't really regret it. But I kind of regretted not taking notes the first time because I didn't really feel like watching it the second time. There are a ton of people in this that are definitely our wheelhouse. Tim Robbins, obviously. Danny Aiello. Elizabeth Peña has been in a number of things I've seen her in. Pruitt Taylor Vince, you would have recognized. From Constantine? Yes. Uh, as well as probably a number of other things. If you've ever seen Identity, he's in there as well. Nah, I've not seen that. But I was, I was looking at him going, who's that? I know that guy. And it finally dawned on me. I was like, oh, it's the guy from, it's the priest from Constantine. Louis Black is in this. I saw him for a split second. Kyle Gass is in this. And I, I tried to go back through it again and find him. And I searched all over the internet for a picture. I couldn't find him in, in this movie. I still didn't see him. Louis Black... I looked this time, like the second time I realized that from the IMDb page, but I still didn't see him. Right, yeah. Unless he looks looks so different when he's younger. Oh, he does, he does. Okay, well, maybe that's it. I'll send you a picture of it, but he's really young. Okay. Ving Rhames, Eric LaSalle, who I'm familiar with because he was in ER for quite a long time. That's right, that's where I know him from, right, yeah, yeah. And of course, Jason Alexander, who... We know from you finally watching, watching Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of great in here for me personally. I feel like it falls a bit apart at the end, and it's not because of the ending per se as to what it's doing. It's just that it took a long time to get there. They did have a second ending. I like um, I deleted scenes from the DVD. 
Okay, but I would save that for mm, well, I'm not gonna the say spoiler it now, section. But, okay, <laughs> but they, <laughs> you, you felt like you're building up to it. <laughs> no, they have. They did have another ending. The movie was supposed to be something else, but for some reason, I don't know why, but they cut away a large chunk of what the director had had in mind. Okay, but to, to to be honest, it felt like yeah, I can see why they did it that way, and I prefer it this way. So we can get into that in a minute. Okay, well, a long minute. <laughs> like I said, I think I. Felt it was worth watching and worth watching once, but for me, it doesn't really live up to the hype that my friends and other people who've recommended it to me have made it seem. And also, I mean, personally, I feel it's a bit slow and runs a bit thin at times, but it's not a boring movie. I wouldn't put it that way. A movie like, I know I always go back to this one, but it's kind of my model now for movies that seem to just bore me because it's wasting my time. And that was Upstream Color. This one didn't feel like it was wasting my time. There are definitely good performances in here. There's not a lot of wasted time. It just feels like the story could have been tighter. Mm. And it could have, to me, hit a bit more some of the things that I feel like they were trying to do but didn't quite. But I can't really get into that until we get into the spoiler section. I would recommend it if you've never seen it. Give it a watch. It's worth watching once. But... Keep your expectations at, this will be an okay movie to watch. Not, oh, this is going to be the most amazing movie ever. Yeah, and don't go into it thinking, oh, this is a horror movie, because it's not. Yeah, it's also not really that... <laughs> I mean, we say puzzling movies. It's kind of puzzling until the end. I mean, it gives, but... it reveals everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it reveals everything from the title. <laughs> it's, it's, it's It kind of spoiled itself from the very title that's been given. In many ways, yeah. And sometimes I feel like... They chose that title, but then it kind of bit them later as they were telling the story. But we'll get into that when we get into the spoiler section. You would recommend people watch it, though. Yeah, I mean, I watched it again. It wasn't how I remembered it, because I watched this probably as a kid, so I was probably scared of it. And I, I, I watched it thinking, this is a, a horror. And it wasn't, but I enjoyed it the second time. I, I forgot a lot of the other stuff. And yeah, it's still still pretty solid. Knowing you as I know you, I can pretty much guarantee you as a kid, you just filled in much scarier parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have just been... (laughs) Yeah, that's all I've remembered was all the scary bits. (laughs) The ones probably from your head that don't even exist. (laughs) Right. But with that, I think it's time. Let's go ahead and get into the spoiler section. So, if you have not seen Jacob's Ladder 1990, we'd say go watch it. If you don't care about spoilers or if you've already seen it, well... Join us in a minute, because here it is, your spoiler warning. The movie starts with helicopters flying in. It's the Vietnam War. A battalion sits bored and exhausted. We get a subtitle credit that says Mekong Delta, 6th of October, 1971. Tim Robbins, nicknamed the professor, is teased for the number of times he has to poop in the woods, I guess. Then out of nowhere, they all act as though something is wrong. And it seems to all happen at the same time. The first time I was watching this, I had no clue what was happening. Mm. I assumed something warlike was happening because we are told through some of the dialogue, I think, that they're expecting some sort of attack. But you had one character just sort of sitting there. You had other characters just look confused. You had one character, I think Bing Rames' character, who seems to be having... A seizure? Yeah, something. Because he just collapses and his head is shaking and foaming at the mouth, I think. Yeah. Everything was just going crazy, but I didn't understand. Mm. And the first time I watched this, I attributed it to mm, kind of bad storytelling. But the second time, now I understand sort of what was going on. Yeah, yeah. There's some absolute horrible imagery here. A soldier trying to put a boot on his broken and burnt leg. Bunch of just other just awful war things. Yeah. For that, wow. Okay, <laughs> this is impressive. It's not quite the opening of Saving Private Ryan, but it's getting <laughs> close. <laughs> well, speaking of Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks was supposed to, to play Tim Robbins's role in this. Really? Yeah. That would have been interesting. I Looking back, I don't think it would have changed it much. No. But, yeah, I think either one could have pulled mm. this off. Robbins, I think, does a great job. I'm quite happy to see him here in this one. Yeah, for me, he was like a, a very 90s actor, you know? It's like, I, I like him in some of the things he's done, but it's like, he's, I don't know, he's like, he's good at what he does. Like, he was he was great in um, Shawshank. Is that, is that kind of quiet, 
low-key kind of character, you know? And yeah, that, that's exactly who he is in this, isn't it, essentially? We're going to see him as Jacob Singer stumble through the woods, and we're pretty much going to see snippets of this throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, we get this in flashback the, the entire length of the film. He goes from being stabbed to waking in a subway train on New York. The posters tell us we're in New York. I like this so much. There's a poster about take a bite out of the Big Apple. There's always something to do. And then right next to it, hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This sets a lot of the tone. Mm -hmm. It's honestly (laughs) foreshadowing in many ways. Yeah. But it tells us where we are without having to use the title card text at the bottom, which is what they did earlier. He's going to wake up not knowing where he is. Or sorry, he knows where he is, but he doesn't know where he is on the train line yeah, because he, he fell asleep. Stop, yeah. mm-hmm. He's wearing a postal carrier's uniform, so we know what his job is. There's a lot of visual stuff here that we are shown, and it's great. Yeah, he's reading The Stranger, which is kind of important as well. That book comes up twice in this film as well. Have you read The Stranger? No, I haven't. It's basically about a guy that murders someone... Uh, and then he's waiting, awaiting trial for execution. And uh, in the end, he kind of just, he's, he's worried about it. And then in the end of the book, he just accepts his fate. That's what the whole point of the book is. So it's kind of fitting for the whole movie. Okay. <laughs> Jacob will go into a different car to ask a lady, what stop are we at? She just stares at him in a weird, weird way. Yeah. Wide-eyed, almost fierce—just weird, weird stare. She's got. There's what looks like a man sleeping on one of the benches, mm-hmm. or you know, one of the long seats there on the subway. And just as they get to his stop, Jacob is leaving, and he sees sort of under the coat or under the blanket of the man a sort of tentacle thing mm-hmm. that seems to be moving around. But then gets off because he doesn't want to miss his stop. But then also his stop is gated off and boarded he can't leave Mm -hmm. i'm assuming he gets on the next train and goes to a different stop we're not really told what happened and in fact when he gets back to his home with jesse at this Mm -hmm. point he doesn't really say anything but we get later from something that she says that he has told her about this that about the whole train thing. Yeah, because basically he, um, he gets off that and then he's like, it's all gated off or like locked up and he can't. So he's got to, he tries to get across the train tracks. And in doing that, you, you're waiting for it. You're like, oh, he's going to, when's the train coming? And a train does come eventually and he just jumps out of the way of it. And it's like yeah, all these people. I would not have walked down the tracks. No, God, It's no. a terrible idea. But the people, right? Yeah. They're a bit strange, especially the one on the back who appears to have no face. Yeah. Or sort of Jacob's face, but it's just blank. Just waving at him. My guess now, looking back, is that is essentially the ferryman, isn't it? It's kind of Pluto taking his his people across, I'm I'm guessing. He's kind of waving at him. See you soon. That could be. Okay. But we see that later in a car. Yeah, yeah. Although I I don't know if it's exactly him. The, the things we see in the car are very more demonic. They, they still have no faces, kind of, but not like that. There, there's one that has a face, and then there's the other one that appears to be... I mean, to me, it looks like they have a blanket over their head, and they're wearing glasses. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like, yeah. Which very possibly could be. Just tidbit of trivia I saw on IMDb, whether to believe it or not, mm-hmm. but the effects in this movie are physical, with no sort of post-anything. Mm-hmm. So even the shaky head stuff apparently was shot at four frames per second. So really slow Mm -hmm. with them pinning the actor down so the the shoulders don't move, but that the head does. Uh. And then when you play it at normal speed, it gives you that effect. Mm, Yeah. I also want to mention just while I've stopped here, they've done a great job of making it look like this was filmed in the 70s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they used old cameras and old style film. But it looks like a 70s movie, so much so that I went back and double-checked. 1990? Really? Because I was thinking, maybe it's early 80s. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's 1990. Just whatever they did, it looks so right. This is not like what you would probably do today, which is just put some sort of filter over it, which gives the impression of it, but not really do it. This looks like it was filmed in the 70s. Okay, let's get back to the apartment. So, in the hallway, there's... Just a hallway full of strollers. I don't know what that was about. He picks up 
one of the baby dolls and puts it into the stroller. Jesse, his girlfriend, asks why he's home so late. He says somebody called off work, blah, blah, blah. She teases him about looking terrible, but she hops in the shower with him. They've done a great job of creating a sort of chemistry with mm-hmm. them that seems very good. We get a flashback of Vietnam. There's rain. He's on the ground. Jacob is struggling for breath, struggling to scream for help because there are soldiers walking nearby. He wakes in terror. Jesse drops photos <laughs> on the bed, says they were dropped off by, you know, one of the kids. And he works out, oh, it's Eli. And there's this whole talk about, yeah, well, they're biblical names. You know, Jacob, Eli, all of them were biblical names. And Jesse doesn't like that. He said, well, where do you think Jezebel comes from? (laughs) And she said, well, nobody calls me that. (laughs) But it all leads up to Eli apparently brought them over because Sarah, Jacob's, I don't know, are they divorced or are they just split up? Separated, maybe? I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So let's just say his wife has dropped them off. Or she was about to destroy them, so Eli dropped them off. And Jacob starts looking through them. He's really enjoying it. And then he comes across the picture of Gabe, mm. who's played by Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, Home Alone came out in November 1990. Guess when Jacob Ladder came out? Two weeks before that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to point that out later. He was busy. (laughs) Yeah. He is uncredited in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Two weeks before he just exploded. Exploded, yeah. That is really, really crazy, isn't it? Imagine if the company had decided to release Jacob's Ladder after. After. Two weeks later, yeah. They could have totally cashed in on that hype. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A little, little uncredited actor. Yeah. Became one of the biggest Christmas movies ever. (laughs) (laughs) When Jacob sees that picture, though, he starts to cry. Mm -hmm. And Jesse immediately starts grabbing all the pictures. She's going to destroy them because she doesn't like anything that makes him sad. Right. Jacob sort of refuses, saves the pictures, puts the one single one of Gabe into his wallet. But then we're going to see Jesse actually just dropping the photos into an incinerator. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I don't think would ever work that way. I put in my notes, it's like, was this a thing in the States where they had this constantly burning garbage chute <laughs> incinerator thing? I could see them having an incinerator, but it seems to me like it would be on a schedule. To burn yeah. constantly <laughs> <laughs> would not be cost effective, and I can't imagine anyone who would want to do it that way. <laughs> you would have to be getting garbage non-stop 24 hours to make it worth that. And also, the incinerator seems to be right next to the wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would be awful in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was just done for visual stuff. I don't think there's any way that this would be real. Listeners, if, if I'm wrong, <laughs> by all means, let me know. But Well, actually, in 1972 in, <laughs> in New York, this would have been very common. Yeah, uh, let me yeah. know. But I just can't imagine no. that it would be common. I mean, garbage shoots. Our thing in the States, yeah? Oh, definitely. But they typically would go to, I think, like a, a big skit, basically, mm. or a big dumpster that can be wheeled out. Right. Maybe, again, they would go to some sort of incinerator, but I more think that it'd be the type of thing where it would go to some sort of bin, and then somebody would have to take it out and burn it at the right times. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is like the Willy Wonka factory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's on his poster route. He's in the van, in the office, he surprises Jesse with a snack, says he's going home early, he needs Louis. Mm-hmm. So Louis, who is played by Danny Aiello, is a chiropractor. He says some very kind of cheeky family things. He knows about Sarah. In fact, he treats her as well. Yeah. And he says, oh, I think you should be back together. He teases Jacob a lot. How can you be so smart about the world, but you don't know your left from your right? (laughs) Again, great chemistry. Yeah. I I mean, I I like that. It's like you're saying that the movie's a bit long. It is, is, but some of these points where they're just like making the characters like act together and building some kind of chemistry. I like that because this relationship between him and Louis is really important for the whole film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at this guy going, where do I know him from? It's like, Hudson Hawk? <laughs> yes, I can't, I couldn't true. place him. But what, what, he must be more famous than that. What else was he in? He's been in a lot of things. 
I've seen this guy so many times, yes. but it's like Hudson Hawk is, the, is my big takeaway. Well, I think that would be one of the ones where he was just in the movie throughout. Constantly, right. He does a lot of other things where he's like a police chief or he's something else where he's not the main character, okay. whereas Hudson Hawk, he was one of the two main mm-hmm. characters. Why you really remember Hudson Hawk, though? <laughs> I, I remember all of one scene from Hudson Hawk. I need to revisit it. I need to see it again. To see if it's as bad as I remember. I used to watch Hudson Hawk almost daily when I could, would get home from school. Oh, well. <laughs> I would just put it in the VHS and just watch it after school. <laughs> it's no wonder that that would be the movie you would think about then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was in The Godfather 2. Okay. But you just recognize him. Once you look at his list, you go, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Mm. I've seen that. But obviously, for you and your younger self, yeah. Hudson Hawk was your obsession. <laughs> <laughs> ball, ball. You won't get that if you don't know it, if you can't remember it. (laughs) This is not the part, though, that feels slow to me. Mm -hmm. This whole sort of my first page of notes doesn't really feel slow. It's further on towards the end where we, I I feel like we're hitting the same notes over and over again. Mm -hmm. One of the things he criticizes Jacob for as well is studying six years for a PhD only to end up working at the post office. Yeah. Which I'm not quite sure exactly. Did he not end up getting the PhD or did he just choose not to use it i think from what he says is that he when he got back from the war he just didn't want to think that, that was what he said isn't it he says i i just didn't want to think so that's why he's got this kind of robotic monotonous job so i'm guessing he got it well i mean it could be nothing it's all in his head anyway so but there's a later point where he's looking at documents but i didn't think to look oh there, but, is the but, but, phd but, in there but they shouldn't exist because he doesn't have a dis- he doesn't have a an honorable discharge because he was never discharged. So he can be ma- he's making all of this up. Mm, so the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. But I was curious if even in his dream if this was the case. <laughs> well, maybe that's the point. Maybe it was his dream to do a PhD. But yeah, all all of it could be could be a doctor. But then again, maybe not. Jacob says Louis looks like an angel. Has anyone ever told you that? Yep. <laughs> Every time you come into the office. <laughs> Which, again, wow, there it is. That's what's going on. In a narrow passageway, I don't know why he's walking this way home. Maybe it's a shortcut. But um, man, later we'll find out is Michael shouts, look out. Jacob nearly escapes a car driven by weird faces. One in the back, I think, is the no face. But I think this is also where we get that first creepy shaking head effect. Yeah. Which looks good. Yeah, yeah. Looks so good that Silent Hill has gone on record saying this is where they got the idea from. Oh, excellent. We get a scene of Jacob in the hospital clinic. He's trying to see a Dr. Carlson. The receptionist nurse says there's no Carlson. Jacob Singer has no record. She leans over to pick up something. Her hat falls off and there's a weird horn-like thing on her head. It's like shaved off horns or something like that. I guess so. The first time I watched it, it just looked diseased. Like I didn't know, or something like yeah, that, yeah. I didn't know what it was supposed to be. It's only on the second viewing I go, oh, well, that must be what they were going for, but it still doesn't quite work, at least not for me. Jacob is going to run through the hospital being chased by security. He interrupts a group meeting. A doctor takes him out in the hallway, tells him that Carlson died in a mysterious car explosion. Jacob is obviously upset, but he leaves because... He wanted to see Dr. Carlson because Dr. Carlson knows him. Yeah. And he doesn't want to have to start over with somebody else, which is understandable. But clearly he needs help, but he walks away. Right. But I think that that goes into the theme of he's not ready to get help yet. Yeah, he's he's not. He's not let go, basically. Yeah. And he's not ready to deal with reality as it is. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Again, up to now, very interesting. I'm quite with this movie. Yeah, even like watching it then, I was like, I was thinking like, oh, is there some kind of giant conspiracy going on right now? Or is the doctor just telling him that to calm him down? You know, like, oh yeah, I know your doctor, I know him, he's dead. Just to try and calm him down and, and connect with him and then maybe refer him to another doctor or whatever. So yeah, I was kind of thinking like, what's, no. what's he doing? <laughs> That'd be a wild swing to say, <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, your doctor died in a mysterious <laughs> car explosion. Not, he died in a car accident. Yeah, well, you know. Make a make a big meal out of it, you know? Why not? Just go all in. <laughs> he died on a on, on SpaceX mission. At home, Jesse is trying to give logical excuses for the demons that Jacob saw. He thinks they want to kill him, mm-hmm. but 
Of course, there's no evidence for any of that. And I really sympathize a lot for Jessie throughout the whole movie. She's trying. Mm -hmm. And she does come from this very logical, practical standpoint. And Jacob is not. And that must be difficult to deal with. Kind of weird that his dream girl in this one would totally disagree with him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder how she plays into that theory or how that works into that part of the story. But I suppose we can get into that stuff mm -hmm. at the end. At a wild party, I guess it's a house party, but it's it's more amazing than any house party I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a nightclub in there. Jacob is being flirted with. He sees somebody he knows on the stairs, and the woman sitting on the stairs starts reading his palm. They're flirting a bit. Again, great chemistry between the two of them. Oh, you're married. No, wait, I can see you're divorced. I like that. <laughs> There's all sorts of terrific lines that she is giving here. But, of course, the important one, when she gets the lifeline, goes, well, this is strange. You're already dead. Mm. <laughs> Whoops. Jesse convinces Jacob to dance. Jacob's mind goes into overdrive. He sees weird images of birds flopping around, the shaking head. He shouts and he collapses. Just as he does, I think there was a demon tail from the guy Jesse was dancing with. Mm -hmm. Or it might have been Jesse's tail. I really wasn't sure where the tail was coming from, just that it was there. Yeah. And that's after watching it twice. I still am not quite sure who the tail was attached to. Quick flashback to Vietnam. We hear one soldier say, oh, his guts are hanging out. The other one says, well, push them back in. At home, Jesse is mad about the way Jacob behaved until she sees that he has a 106-degree fever. She calls a doctor who lives in the building who basically says, get him into an ice bath as quickly as possible. Jacob does not want to do it. He acts as though he's being tortured. All the neighbors are coming in. Some are praying. Some are helping hold him down. It's a horrific scene. But very well done. Yeah. I, I looked it up because I don't know Fahrenheit. So I was like, 106, what's that? It's 41 degrees. And then I wrote down here, I'm not really sure you could die on the way to the hospital from a 41 degree fever. So I looked it up. It's like, well, actually, no, you can't really die from a 41, but you will die from a 42. <laughs> so it's like, it is, you know, if you got one degree hotter, then yeah, you, you can have seizures and death. Well, and that's the thing. Is the temperature climbing? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, I never really thought about that before. Like, 40, I mean, I've had a 40 degree fever before, but yeah, two degrees higher and it can be fatal. Like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> well, it's also the thing too, where she said, as she looked at what, an old mercury thermometer, mm -hmm. that it's hit right to the top. Like there is right, right. one or something. So just to be safe, we need to get him in. Yeah. Yeah. It's called hyperpyrexia. 106 is considered a medical emergency. So there you go. We're now going to have a scene with him at home with Sarah. Jacob closes the window, complaining about how cold it is. Sarah says she's comfortable. He says, of course you are. You've got all the blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Again, great chemistry here. This feels like a married couple. He's joking about how he had a, a nightmare about Jesse, but wow, she was great in bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just as they're about to get intimate, Gabe walks in. Yeah. <laughs> and asks, why is it so cold? And Jacob says, well, ask your mother. Yeah. <laughs> Great family scene. Mm -hmm. I love it. He walks Gabe to bed, tucks him in, tries to get him to relax, has to deal with the brothers who are waking up and saying random stuff as well. You didn't give me my allowance this week. <laughs> yeah, it's 5 a.m. Go to bed. We'll talk about it at breakfast. <laughs> And then there's a really cute bit where Gabe doesn't want the door totally shut. Open a little bit more, a little bit more. Just great. We then are looking at the sky through the trees. Jacob's being carried on his back on a stretcher. Then we're in Jesse's. He's looking really rough in the bath. I'm wondering how cold the water actually was that they put him in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because he looks incredibly pale except for a couple red splotches and he's got tears that look very genuine just slowly trickling out of his eyes yeah we then are going to look up at a helicopter the battalion is in rough shape there's somebody being airlifted is it him i'm guessing it's him yeah it's just kind of a weird angle that they've taken because we're sort of looking at him from underneath yeah. and then from 
on top and I just got a bit confused because a lot of times, especially with these flashbacks, we are directly on him. Mm -hmm. So to me, just kind of was jarring and felt a bit confusing. He wakes in bed. Jesse updates him on what happened because throughout the fever, he's kind of blacked out and doesn't remember everything. She says that in his sleep, he was talking to Sarah and the kids. And basically right now he needs to rest in home. The doctor blamed it on a virus, but she says doctors blame everything they don't know on a virus. We cut to what must be two weeks later. Jacob is reading through a bunch of demonology books. He's studying. Jesse's making him food, but not happy with him at all. She says something about he hasn't left in two weeks. She yells at him. As she does, she's very close to him, and her eyes look completely black, like demon eyes. Yeah. She's got a set of weird teeth as well. Yeah. He pushes her. She storms out. She is not happy. (laughs) Which, again, I sympathize with. I understand why she would feel this way. She's not seeing these things. And she's had a rough, rough time. He freaked out at the party, probably around all of her friends, only to come back to have him nearly die to a fever for him to basically lock himself up and just be reading demonology books all day as she's trying to continue on with daily life. It's a rough two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, they're not not rich either. So it's like she's probably just having to work extra shifts and whatever to support them both. There's going to be a call from Paul. One of his military buddies who says he needs to see him. They meet at a bar or it's possibly like a VFW, something like that. Yeah, because I don't know. They walk in, it's a bar with a pool table. And then when they walk out, there's a boxing ring there. (laughs) It's like, what happened? It's like, it must be some kind of club. Yeah. Paul talks about demons. Jacob eventually admits that he's seen them too. Mm -hmm. Michael, we will see sort of in the background just before they leave. They both talk about the fact that neither of them remember quote, that night. Right. Kind of how they all refer to it as that night, that night of October 6th in Mm. Vietnam. Paul gets in his car, turns the key, it explodes. Jacob is only saved because he had been picking up like a quarter. Oh, it's my lucky day. (laughs) Michael pulls him back to safety and then sort of leaves. That quarter, though, I was baffled by that because when he goes down to pick it up, it just like floats away. It just flies off the screen. He's like, oh, it's my lucky day. He goes down to pick it up. And it's like, it's almost like it's on an invisible thread. And it just goes, yoink, and moves off to the side. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out why. I've only got one idea. And that is that it's something to do with the coins for the ferryman. He goes to pick up that coin, but it's not his time for his coin yet. I think the coin kind of goes in the direction of the car. And so it's Paul's time to go. That's the only thing I can come up with. Because that, that was so weird. I watched that scene ten times thinking, have I missed something? Is there, is there something about this? And I was just scratching my head for ten minutes. And then that's the only thing I come up with was, it was like the, the, yeah, the coins for the ferryman. And it's like, he goes to pick it up. But he's again, he's not ready to let go. It's not his time yet. And so it just defies the laws of physics and, and floats away. I'm not sure. I, I didn't I, notice it. You, really. you didn't realize the coin moved? No, I didn't really notice that. Oh, man. Go and watch that again. Seriously, watch that like five seconds. It's weird. I think that my brain would have attributed it to being moved by the explosion one but way or the other. it's before the explosion. Yeah. It's in a puddle of water, too. So... I... It just gets up and flies away. <laughs> okay. I'll have to I'll, check I'll, it all out. All right, Scully. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You want to believe... <laughs> Yeah, I'll watch it again. But it was just—it was—it's a really weird moment. That's all. It was just—it was well, maybe it's far more important than I realized. Then I was just focused on Jacob. I was more focused on the fact that Paul's—don't think it's a rosary, but I think he had like a cross or something that flew out as well. Yeah, (laughs) because he said, "I've been carrying these around, but they don't help at all. They don't work." Yeah, yeah. He's got a Bible, (laughs) some rosary beads, and a some kind of um, saint pendant thing. Although they'll help you in Constantine for a little bit. We see Paul's funeral. There's the wake after in somebody's home. The battalion, that group of Jacobs, is all there, sort of in the kitchen talking. As demons come up, Ving Rames, playing George, trembles a lot, drops his beer. Everybody else seems worried. They've all seen this too, except for Rod, who thinks that they're all crazy. Mm -hmm. They go to the rooftop to talk about it. They decide to get a lawyer. 
Here's Jason Alexander, who says, I'll look into it. Give me your depositions. Right after that, though, at home, as he's shaving, Jesse says, the lawyer called, not taking the case. All the friends backed out. Jacob calls one of them, and he says, yeah, we've decided it's not worth it. And they're all kind of sitting there. Don't bother calling the others. They'll all agree. But he doesn't say, I know that because they're sitting right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jacob confronts the lawyer in the courthouse. They argue on the courthouse steps. The lawyer basically says, you guys are crazy. There's no case here. Outside the courthouse, though, men in black abduct Jacob, and he tries desperately to escape, shouting and kicking. And finally, he does, only to fall outside near a Salvation Army Santa who robs him. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's not winter. Mm. Nobody's wearing a winter coat. There is no snow. Why is this Santa there? I could only think there's two things. One, it just makes his story so much more unbelievable when they're like, where's your ID? Santa stole it. Right. I get that part. Or if you rearrange the letters on Santa, you get Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a bit of a stretch. It's a big stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Even for me. From a more logical standpoint, I would say that this guy is just scamming and that the money he takes for donations is really just for him. Oh, yeah. But I don't think it would work in, say, August. <laughs> which well, it, is, it, is, it is New York, isn't it? So it's like, you know, it's got a reputation for being a bit out of there. So seeing Santa in the summer is probably no different than seeing 10,000 Elmos in Times Square, you know? Not here. <laughs> Not here. That'd be something you do where tourists are going. This is not a tourist area. No, no, definitely not. The escape threw his back out, and he ends up in the hospital where you said you saw Lewis Black. I've got to look again because I've missed him, (laughs) I think. And they are going to put him in surgery. And on the way to surgery, he's going through each hallway is dirtier and dirtier and gets bloody, and it is creepy and scary there people doing strange things all above him. Yeah, they're in like a cage, like a wiring walkway above him. Yeah, it's a really creepy, awesome scene, actually. It's really disturbing. He keeps asking for Louis, but he's kind of being denied. Through one of the hallways, there is a bike with, I think, the wheel still spinning. Mm. He says, Gabe? Mm. On the operating table, Jesse is there for no apparent reason. (laughs) (laughs) So, if we thought the movie was following logic up until now, well, that's kind of shot out the window. (laughs) Jacob says he wants to get out of here. Doctor says, there is no out of here. You've been killed. Remember? (laughs) Well, that's pretty blatant to say at this point in the movie because we're not done yet. That, to me, seems like something you say right at the end. Mm. Okay, well, we've been told twice now that he's dead. So, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Thanks for driving it home. Yeah. Sarah and the kids enter when Jacob is, I guess, out of surgery. Jacob is told that he's going to have to be there for about a month. Off camera, there's an odd voice. I'm not sure what was going on here where it just says, dream on. Mm -hmm. As Sarah talks about, oh, we're going to get together. We're going to make it work. This strange demonic voice says, dream "Dream on. on. Mm. But it is not something that we see. It doesn't seem to be connected to anything else. It's just in his head. Yeah, yeah, it's just, again, I, the whole film is about, he's got two sides in it, it's like his demonic side trying to get him to face reality, and then his more happier angelic side trying to get him to face reality, but it's like, that that's, I guess it's just his inner demons just saying, like, yeah, dream on, kid, that's never going to happen. Yeah, but it wasn't anyway, so, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it does, it It feels... seems like a moot point once you know the ending, and I pretty much did already, but. Yeah. Because, like I said, they've driven it home. Twice now. Yeah. I if mean, I wasn't sure the first time, I'm definitely sure this time. Yeah. And like, even like I said, with the, with the title of the movie, Jacob's Ladder is literally a stairway to heaven. It was the way that you went, it was the way that you accessed heaven. It's like, all right, well, originally though, the movie was going to be called Dante's Inferno. So I probably have edited it out. There was a long pause there where I thought about <laughs> that. I think slightly better. However, there's a lot more, I think, to Dante's Inferno than what we would see here. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they changed it. Well, I think they shouldn't have done either. Either, either of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. They should <laughs> just have called it something completely different. Yeah, it's too on the nose, especially once you've seen it. It's like, wow, that was really in your face the entire film. Naming the character Jacob. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, all the biblical names. Louis is going to storm in, take Jacob away, fixes him. This part was weird for me, though. It's yeah. so out of place. Like, he goes in, he's like physically threatening everyone. He's losing his mind, man. He's like, I mean, a chiropractor <laughs> coming into a hospital, threatening people. It, it was just like, I don't know. This, this, this part was way too weird for me. And also the idea that the hospital was going to put him in traction basically for a month. I think that's what the son was referring to when he said, hang in there, dad. Yeah. And he's going to be in traction. Yeah. If really a chiropractor could just fix it in 10 minutes. Mm. So, yeah, the whole thing is strange. But at this point, I pretty much know what's going on. I'm like, okay, whatever. How are you going to finish this movie? Yeah. What, what are you going to lead up to? We need this scene, though, because this is where Louis quotes the, I think, bit of philosophy that you only see the demons after you die if you're still clinging to memories and clinging to life. Angels will lead you away. So once you have come to terms with what's happened, that's when you can see the angels and they will lead you away. And really, since they're trying to take away those memories from you, which in a way is what Jesse did by throwing away the pictures. So is she a demon? Is that why he saw the demon eyes and everything? Mm -hmm. I think there's a definite argument for that if you're using this argument. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. It's like, yeah, the, the, she's trying to help him. Like, even the, even the demons are trying to help him. They're like, one way or another, you have to leave this world. We're going to do it. We're going to do it the hard way or the easy way. You pick. You don't have a doctor here. We have no record of you here, says the demon receptionist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they're trying to erase him. Is Yeah, erase his memory of, of, of him existing kind of thing. But this line as well is like, oh, this line has been sampled in uh, Uncle Rabbit in Your Headlights, the song. Have you, have you heard that song? I don't think so. There's a, there's a band, like a, a super band, where they got like a whole bunch. Tom York sings this song, and it's like, I think it's like DJ Shadow and some other people. Tons of people collaborated on this album. The, the band was basically called Uncle, but this song, Rabbit in Your Headlights, really good video as well that goes along with it. But they sample this, the, the devils are really angels part. Actually from the movie? Yeah. Okay. At home... Jacob is looking through a cigar box of memories, his honorable discharge, his degrees, yeah. I think some pictures. He sees a note that the kids sent him, I guess, while he was in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. There is an intercut of memories. So as he's going through this, memories of teaching Gabe to ride a bike, Gabe kind of on his own, then he's going to get run over with the bike as well, which it seemed like he was picking up a coin. Mm -hmm. We have a montage of horror scenes he thinks he sees gabe jazzy walks in angry there's a call from michael to meet and to talk to jacob and this is where he tells everything i was in prison they offered me a chance to get out if i went to the war and worked for them he's a chemist he made this drug that they called jacob's ladder which what? this is where i feel like they really just pushed too far it's a ladder It'll take you straight down to hell, he says. Wouldn't a slide be a better name for it then? <laughs> Jacob's Slide. Which is why I think that they did themselves a disservice by calling it Jacob's Ladder and sticking to this so on the nose and so literally, because that makes no sense. Why would you call something a ladder that is a slow descent into anything if it is meant to be a quick descent? Mm -hmm. A fireman's pole would work. <laughs> There's just so many other ways they could have done that, but they wanted to stick to actually calling the drug Jacob's Ladder. I think it's called The Ladder, though, don't they? I don't think it's called Jacob's Ladder. That's true. But why would still, you call it The Ladder? Still, The Ladder. But it's The Ladder because it's Jacob's yeah. Ladder. Yeah. Kind of having the double meaning here of Jacob's Ladder, the biblical meaning, and Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's drug that he took inadvertently in the food. Yeah. And this is where we find that the drug did terrible things when they gave it to monkeys, and then when they gave it to Vietnamese POWs, and then they were afraid they were going to lose the war, so they gave it to this battalion, hoping that they would have great kill numbers. And they did, but mostly in killing each other. <laughs> yeah. So that's why in that opening scene, everybody went kind of crazy, and things just went, and none of it made any sense. It's because they were all on some sort of drug. Mm -hmm. Or were they? Well, yeah. <laughs> let's, we're almost there. <laughs> it's night. Jacob runs home. Things seem to be left 
as though the family just ran away. Food is still on the table. The TV is on, but it's on static now. It's raining. He's alone. There was the whole thing about him going in the taxi. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some sort of metaphor here, but I didn't really need it, nor did I really need the scene with the doorman. Mm -hmm. The only thing the doorman gave me really was the idea that he's at Sarah's home, not at Jesse's. Yeah. But I think, I think we could tell that. that out. Yeah. <laughs> there are other ways I think that it could have been done. It's not the worst way it could have been done. But at this point, I just want to get to the end of the movie. And I think this is where it really starts to drag a bit for me. We've already been given all the exposition, mm. probably more than we needed. We're also going to get this voiceover of Louis' speech about the angels and demons again. So, if you missed it the first time, if you're in the bathroom, here it is this time. The scene will change to sunlight. He's in his home. Gabe is there. Says, it's okay. Come on, let's go up. So, hand in hand, they walk up the stairs into a bright light. We cut to military hospital. Jacob is dead. <laughs> I guess they wanted to make sure we knew Jacob was definitely dead. Mm-hmm. And then a title card saying the U.S. used hallucinogens on soldiers in Vietnam, but the Pentagon denies it. Credits start with black and white photo of Jacob and Gabe walking with the bike. Yeah. And then in, in the tent, in that kind of medical tent, he's like, yeah, yeah, he's finally dead, but he held on for ages. That's <laughs> what he says. So, yeah, this whole thing has been him just clinging to life. And uh, yeah. Yeah. A bit, a bit too much towards the end, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, he's really dead, guys. Guys, he's dead. Did you know it? <laughs> Guys, did you know he's dead? We've only said it three times. <laughs> he's dead. And also, all this has been in his head. Yeah. Did we tell you? Did we tell you? Did you get it? Did you get it? <laughs> so here's the thing. There's a couple of interesting deleted scenes. One of them is when he meets the chemist, after they have that kind of exposition part where they're talking about the, the drug testing, he takes him back to his house. He's like, I've got an antidote. And so there's this whole, it's almost like an exorcism scene where he's on a bed and he gives him this kind of liquid through a pipette. And then he hallucinates. There's some really quite good effects where this demon basically tears through the ceiling. And it's just raining blood in the room. And it's like you get to see like a real full-on demon. Kind of cool. Was that going to be the alternate ending? Well, it's, it was part of it. I think the way that the, the director was talking about it, he's like, but we'll find out later. It, it doesn't work. So it's like... Again, it's like just adding more runtime, isn't it? But it's a shame that they... It just goes to show you how much effort they actually put into these scenes that just don't make it, you know? I mean, that probably costs quite a lot of money. Yeah. And then there's another scene at the end where it's like this is a kind of almost alternate ending. Again, but it's just too much on the nose where he sees Jezebel's in the house and she transforms into this big winged demon, basically. But she's got this like kind of covering over over her head. He lifts the bag off of her head. And it's him. He's like, he's the demon. He's made it all up. It's He's been fighting against himself the entire time. And then he, then the Macaulay Culkin part happens and he finally realizes and then he goes up to heaven. What I'm trying to say is all the really hardcore special effects parts of the film seem to have been cut. And so <laughs> it's like, it feels like they were going for a horror film and they were going for some serious kind of, not body horror, but some, some re- weird transformation, demonic stuff, blood, guts, tentacles. And the majority of that got cut from the film, it looks like. And they just made it more into like a psychological horror rather than an actual physical horror. I just don't get the horror aspect of it. Yeah. It doesn't scare me. Maybe if I'd seen it as a kid, it would have scared me, but it doesn't. It was really, really creepy for me as a kid. I remember that. It was those bits that disturbed me. And there was lots of gratuitous nudity in it at the beginning. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'll switch to put this on when my parents aren't in the house. But yeah. Yeah, it seemed like they were going for something. And then they, at the last minute, they just decided, you know, we spent all that money and all that stuff, but we're, we're cutting it all. The problem for me comes in the fact that this movie seems like it's designed just to give out the message that the U.S. possibly poisoned its own soldiers mm-hmm. with hallucinogens. Yeah. And the terrible things might have happened. But they don't really come at it from any sort of factual standpoint yeah it's like tacked on in the end like oh did you know this happened and you know th- th- there are you know like cases for agent orange and things like that like we know about that they that the cia have funded and done but this movie doesn't give us any sort of evidence it seems almost as vague as 
I, I, I don't like, know how to almost say it, a, as believable as Tim Robbins's story that he's made up in his head. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, you have an unreliable narrator who's basically telling us that this happened, but he would have never met Michael. He never would have known any of that stuff happened. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really connect. It's kind of like what you were saying about his honorable discharge. He would have never seen that because he didn't live that long. Well, he wouldn't have had any clue about these hallucinogens or anything. Mm-hmm. So what? <laughs> I just feel like if that's your one and only message, you've muddied it by not giving us any facts. Mm -hmm. And you've also muddied it by giving us an unreliable narrator and all sorts of weird imagery. To me, the movie would have worked much better. Can't believe I'm saying this. But if they'd been more vague and left it more of a mystery. Right. Because by telling us throughout the whole movie exactly what the movie is, it starts to feel boring and it starts to feel a bit repetitive. I think one time him being told he's dead is plenty. Twice is too many. And three times by the end is entirely too much. It takes away any, for me, interest in discussing the movie afterwards. Mm. And I don't feel like the elements that are there are strong enough to make me want to talk about it as, oh, look at this great filmmaking. Some great special effects Mm -hmm. and some good performances. Yeah, yeah. But as an overall story, it feels weak. And to me, it just completely drags by the end. And that's why I was saying I really feel like it could have just been tighter or maybe weirdly looser might have been the right way to go. Because by telling us all of this stuff and saying this is exactly what we were going for, it sort of takes the fun out of me trying to interpret the story. Yeah. Or even like multiple rewatches as well. Like if you were to go back and try and piece it together, they don't even really allow, like not allow that. You're allowed to do whatever you want, Darren. What am I trying to say? I try to say like there's a bit where when he comes to, or when he comes back to the Vietnam War at the end in the medical tent, the light above him is that concentric circles. And we've seen that lamp throughout the film, but it's not like you'd have to use like, oh, I recognize that. I'll go back and watch it again. Oh, there it is there. Oh, it's in Louis's office. Oh, it's in the, it's in the hospital that he dreams. Oh, it's there. It's in the movie four times, but they actually show you it after that. They show you that lamp like four times. They like it through cuts. So they've really left, they've, they've really taken all of the mystery out of it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's still a good, it's still a decent film. I enjoyed watching it again. I do. I think it's having watched it twice yeah. was sort of the, drag, the yeah. problem for me <clears throat> this time. Yeah. You no, know, I did, I did like it. But, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be rushing back to watch it again. Yeah, it's not bad. But, yeah, like you said, me especially, I would have loved it if they just cut out a little bit more and left it a little bit more of a mystery to solve rather than be so explicit. Gaps filled and more of gaps created. 